your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, Shannon Foynes port has signed an agreement with the EU's largest port, Rotterdam, to develop a supply chain corridor to export Irish-produced green fuels across mainland Europe. So what could this opportunity mean for the port, for the Limerick region, and what about the infrastructure to match the deal? Well, Pat Keating, Chief Executive of Shannon Foynes Port, is with me in the studio now to tell us a bit more about it. And you're welcome, Pat. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. So what what is the um, importance of this agreement with Rotterdam? Yeah, well, it's it's fantastic for us, and I suppose it's another sign of the whole credibility and belief in what we're doing in Shannon Foynes and the Shannon Estuary. You will recall last year, uh, in 2022 actually, that we launched uh, our updated plans, which um, recognised the huge renewable potential that the Shannon Estuary, combined with the Atlantic resources, affords this country, but not just this country, Europe as well. And I suppose in that plan, we outlined three major growth drivers, if you like. <clears throat> One was to harness that Atlantic resource, which is the renewable wind or energy, um, and which there is a very, very significant amount of, one of the biggest resources in the world. Uh, we're fortunate in the Shannon Estuary and Shannon Foynes that we're actually very proximate to that resource and we have a deep water port that can assist in developing, um, you know, the, or positioning, if you like, wind farms at scale on that resource. So that's the first part of it. And all of the supply chain that goes with that. So to create that, if you like, infinite resource of green energy. So green energy is what we're, the product here. The second part of that then was to look at the demand sources or drivers for that energy. So obviously the local economy will be one, Ireland, think. Um, how we develop more value add in Ireland. Um, and then the export opportunities. And then the the third spoke was in relation to developing uh, the Foynes Port area as a new national logistics hub. So to go back to your question, um, you know, this agreement falls into the second driver there, if you like. So um, as one of the demand users for all of this energy that we are capable of producing on the west coast of Ireland, that we actually um, can um, offtake that energy. So this agreement with the Port of Rotterdam is hugely important in that regard because Europe has a huge demand case, if you like, for all of this energy. And what this agreement is about is looking at, well, what is needed to build that supply chain from the Atlantic to Europe, if you like, and then drilling down into that and what are the various components that are required to be built. But I think um, as well, the agreement also has objectives and and real volumes in there um, to be met in the next decade. Uh, So, you know, we all have, if you like, a target to work toward as well. And and, and by the way, the the volumes identified in the agreement are are only a subset of the the Port of Rotterdam's demand requirements. So they're looking at not just the Atlantic, the North Sea, South America, um, but we are a big part of it. Now, Pat, you're obviously very close to this, so you understand all of the detail, but can you give listeners who wouldn't a simple explainer? Like, what are we talking about here so, with this deal? Yeah, so the first part of it, we need to have wind turbines spinning in the Atlantic. So we need offshore wind farms. So we need to build those, and there's a big supply chain or a big economic activity, if you like, that's around those. So, you know, we need to have those wind turbines um, in operation. Then what happens is that that energy, that wind energy, is converted 
via what they call a naturalizer or a electrolysis process into liquid hydrogen, which can be then shipped or, or transported. Uh, so, in essence, it is converting the inner energy in wind form into something that can be used and transported across to Europe. But in the middle of all of that is very large infrastructure requirements. So the wind farms themselves, as per our plans, are big scale and we need big infrastructure to facilitate and accommodate those. And then the, the facility and electrolysis, electrolysis facility is a big facility, big infrastructure. Um, now, the technology is there. It's about scaling up. Um, and, so and is this a safe and secure technology? It is, yeah. I mean, the Port of Rotterdam have already built a 200 megawatt um, um, electrolyzer in its port estate. And you have millions of people living around the Port of Rotterdam, for example. So so the technology is proven um, and the process is proven. Apparently, electrolysis, I'm not a scientist, but has been around for hundreds of years. So it's, it's about scaling up. Um, to so meet. then it would end up on big ships and be taken to Rotterdam Potentially, from Shannon Point's port. In a nutshell, in yeah. a simplified manner, yes. Um, right. And then it would go from Rotterdam to... So basically, uh, in Rotterdam, and Dutch government, in cooperation with the German government, have already consented to pipelines to pipe the hydrogen from the port of Rotterdam down into the heart of Germany, where its industrial base requires and where the demand is. So um, it's, you know, when we, when we're, we're still kind of talking about this conceptually. Well, this is but, it, isn't it? I mean, it's but, a very important to do these uh, deals because yeah. it's all about planning, isn't it? And yeah, you have yeah. to have all the bits in places, but clearly you don't have the product yet. No, we don't have the product, but, but, but when you do go to places like Rotterdam and, and, and Holland and, and Germany, they're already ahead of us and that they have their infrastructure consented to, as I said. In some cases, they're building the actual infrastructure, such as that electrolyzer I, I referred to. So, so you know, it, 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 some countries have moved well beyond the conceptual to the implementation stage. What we need to do as a country is catch up. Hmm. Um, so, and I suppose a lot of disagreement as well is about that collaboration, cooperation with the downstream companies, with the know how, with the know how to assist, um, you know, in the expertise in, in how to build out this infrastructure as well. Is it true to say that the government's immediate priority is near shore wind, while what you're talking about is far shore, outside in the in the yeah. water wind, as it were, yeah. which is is a more complex but long term beneficial project? Yeah. yeah. So what the government's approach to date is, and they have their targets. You know, to twenty forty, they have thirty seven gigawatts. Twenty forty, twenty, and and five gigawatts by twenty thirty. So the government has targets to do to harness these resources. So it, the government's, um, you know, we had the phase one auctions. I don't want to get too technical here, but uh, last year we had phase one auctions with five projects being successful. So so they're currently being going through the planning system or are about to go through. And, and they're a, in other parts of the country. So, 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 well, there's one on the west and four on the, on the east. So, the, uh, you know, the approach has been to use the, uh, fixed technology, which is more proven to date. Um, and, and for the Atlantic, it's deeper water and you need more than likely floating but you know in terms of our infrastructure we're technology agnostic that's the decision for the developer what type of turbines he uses for fixed or floating but what we need is to have the technology to accommodate that build out We're talking to Pat Keating who's the Chief Executive of Shannon Foynes Port but what's key here is you used the word infinite Mm -hmm. earlier that if we could get it up and running it is almost infinite, isn't it? Well, the wind doesn't stop blowing. 
that's 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 where the infinite peace comes in, you know. So every, but it doesn't across a year. Sometimes it goes low yeah, and sometimes but, it goes high. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, but the Atlantic resource is is measured by you know they measure these resources in mean wind speeds. The Atlantic resource got fourteen meters per second. So it, of all of the wind sources around the world, it's actually the most consistent and it blows the strongest. So from um, an electricity conversion point of view, that's a fantastic efficient resource to have. Um, but you're right, there will be down peak times, but the down times on the Atlantic are very limited. And this is where your hydrogen comes in as well. So when, you know, you're producing, obviously, your hydrogen when the wind is blown, but the hydrogen is converting that wind energy into another form of energy. So you do have then a stable supply of energy, if you like. The other point is that the technology that would be required, you know, the infrastructure, you know, the wind turbines, these are huge and they too would need somewhere near the water to be built and that is about jobs and infrastructure and all of that as well isn't it? Absolutely and, and you know I, I know you've had Barry O'Sullivan in a couple of times with the Shannon Estuary Task Force which was launched last year kind of looked at our plans and has absolutely endorsed them. The Estuary Task Force for example found that by 2050 50,000 new jobs will be created in this space and those are jobs right across the spectrum from engineering, engineering services to transport, to all of the trades, uh, to the tertiary services such as legal, financial, all that kind of stuff. So uh, technology, you know, drone technology has a huge role to play here. So because this is a nascent sector, it's developing. So right across the board, very good quality job creation. So those 50,000 jobs are really good quality, will require a lot of, um, I suppose, new skills in the region. And, 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 you know, I know the universities are working very closely in, in this area as well to identify, if you like, the skills gap that's currently available and to plan for that. Right. One of the challenges of democracy is that around the world, it's not often great at long-term strategic goals. So everything you have said, I think at one level makes sense to listeners, Mm -hmm. but where the doubt comes in, are we prepared to stay with this? Are we prepared to take all the steps with all the government backing that's required and the money, money that doesn't have an immediate payoff, money that isn't going to have the Taoiseach standing beside a building anytime soon, but has massive potential. But will it happen? Yeah, I suppose that the beauty in that is, number one, um, you know, the world has no um, no choice in this. It has to. And there is a 2050. And these are obligations, so they're not optional. So there's the 2050 net zero. That's an obligation. Uh, secondly, the government is planning, um, you know, we have this, what they call the, the future framework regime for the long term. Uh, and we have the targets, as I set out. The great thing, though, in terms of funding this, this will be funded by the, the private sector. So your big oil and gas companies are all transitioning into this. So this is going to be private sector funded. The government here will not have to fund. What the government needs to do, absolutely, is the first part, is put the policy in place and, and, and the legislation and the regulations that will accommodate this, that will make this, in, um, this but, resource but isn't investable. Some, isn't some of the infrastructure going to be state infrastructure, though? Uh, some, like, for example, you, you know, there's a great uh, infrastructure required, there's port infrastructure required. It will be state-owned, but ultimately it will be paid for as, as it is used by the commercial sector. Do you mean like road tolls? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, if, for example, what happens today if somebody puts tonnage over our jetties, we charge for it. So this infrastructure in time will be self-funding. But there is there is a piece of government has to put its toe in the water up front maybe to guarantee an element or support, not guarantee, but support an element of this infrastructure up front. 
But over time, this infrastructure pays for itself. And the sector will pay for all of the, the you know, the, the downstream wind and farm technology, all of that kind of stuff. And if it were up and running as envisaged, could it really not only supply all of Ireland's electricity needs, but quite a bit of Europe's as well? Absolutely. Uh, look, you know, our, our local economy is quite small, as you know, in the European context. So the resource we have out here is, is significantly larger than Ireland's future demand. But we are... This is a European project, if you like, this, of European scale. Our EEZ is ten and a half times our landmass. We have a huge resource here. It's not just for us; it's for Europe as well. So, so the demand case for this is Ireland plus Europe for as an export um, resource. Are you a bit worried about first mover advantage here? You know, Scotland will be looking at this, and are Scandinavian countries likewise? We may look at this estuary and Shannon and the Atlantic and say we're best positioned but if we don't get a move on we have a problem. Absolutely and that's a very important point to make and you know we are our competition is not regionally within Ireland it's internationally as those countries you mentioned France, Portugal, Spain you know so um, and because of the scale of investment required from the private sector so large these are kind of once in 25 year investment decisions so when somebody makes a decision to locate say in Scotland as you said that company's probably done for 20, 25 years and it's kind of nailed its colours to the mass, you know. So so that first mover advantage piece is important, but the one big comparative advantage that we have, we've got a huge resource. In terms of efficiency, that 14 metre per second, the proximity of the deep water port here in the Shannon Estuary and Shannon Hoynes, that they're huge comparative advantages. Um, but we do need to, to move quickly as well because the, the rest of the world is moving quickly on this. Right. Um, so... Could this end up being not only the wealthiest region in Ireland, and it is making progress anyway, but Ireland being one of the wealthiest countries in the world? If if this really is what you are saying, which a lot of people believe is the equivalent of an oil-producing nation That's 20, 25 years ago. I think so, Joe. And if you look at you know this economy and how it's performed with FDI, uh, I suppose one of the, you know, this resource is comparable in scale and bigger than what our FDI has done for the Irish economy. But the big difference is Ireland Inc. owns the resource. With FDI, we are depending on board decisions, as we all know, Berlin, New York, wherever. And some of that investment can move very quickly at a whim, if you like. So this is an Irish resource. It should be developed and owned by Ireland. And that's a big difference, I think. And finally, just come back to today, because you are, as I say, the chief executive now of Shannon Foyne's port, how is the port doing currently? And just talk very briefly about the connection between Shannon and not far from where we are on the dock road, the Limerick port. Yeah. So uh, the ports are trading very well. We've had a very good 2023. As you know, there's a lot of um, government support for what we're doing. And that's evidenced by the Limerick Defines Roadway, which enabling works has started. The Limerick Defines Rail, which is under construction. The two of those projects are five, six hundred million plus projects. So they're a huge vote of confidence in the government, in what we're doing as a port company. So, so you know, and from our perspective, the entire estuary is our, and, and legally that is our port area. So, um, you know, Limerick, Foynes are the two general cargo hubs for that. Um, and, you know, in the short, medium, long term, that's going to continue. Foynes will be, you know, potentially a new logistics hub for the country, given all of the connectivity infrastructure and connections that's been built towards it and our own developments there. But Limerick has a hugely important role to play as well for local indigenous companies that use the port. And, and, you know, Limerick is trading at historically high tonnage 
tonnages when you go back 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. The tonnages going through Limerick Port now are, are, are very significant and historically at high. So, uh, but but we do have plans then on the, for the periphery of Limerick, you know, with our Limerick Docklands framework, uh, and we have the Ballantyne Mills building, which we have plan, planning permission to convert into commercial office. Um, that is advancing all of the time, and I would hope uh, this year we'll have a big decision on when actually work is going to commence on that. So that's a big, important project for us as well. So we're looking at Limerick in terms of port, um, continuation, but also on the periphery to look at other alternative uses. Just remind listeners how many people you employ and what the port is worth in money terms a year to yeah. the so, economy. So, so we had a study carried out uh, to a number of years ago now, but the trade value um, up and down the, uh, of, of tonnages up and down the estuary is about eight and a half billion per annum. The port uh, per that study supports over three thousand six hundred jobs per annum. So it's 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 a business to business. So people don't really, I suppose, hear of it or realise how important it is. But if you look at freight, is is the backbone of any economy. And we and Shannon Foynes handles roughly twenty percent of Ireland's freight currently. We plan to expand on that. And, and just very briefly, because I mentioned it in the papers as yeah. well, and you say you know you're a different side, yeah. but really of the same coin. I presume you know the ongoing importance of Shannon Airport is in your mind as I, well. Absolutely. Uh, look, Shannon is critical to us because that connectivity. But one point you mentioned there, and you know the, the government continues in some respects. Yes, there's a lot of talk about rural development and redistribution in the economy, but the, the more we continue to build big infrastructure in Dublin, the more we support the Dublin-centric model. So we got to break that cycle. And we got to start looking like Shannon, Shannon Finds Port, even Port of Cork, in terms of how our supply chains can be evenly distributed across the country and not bottlenecked into Dublin. So that's because important. it's actually unfair to the people of Dublin as well. It, you know, I, if you actually take a look at it, it's yeah. just because the place is getting so clogged up now. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we see you know at Fingal County Council, people living near the airport. You know, their lives are a bit of a misery because of all the noise with planes coming in and out. So, but that that pressure can be alleviated. From, we would need more better use of Shannon and it's the same in the ports with freight use you know Dublin is 80% in volume of our trade it doesn't need to be so, you know. OK, it's really interesting to talk to you. We'll continue the discussion during this year and well beyond because, you know, you can feel from what you're saying there the genuinely enormous potential mm-hmm. that there is for the entire region and the country uh, through the work at Shannon Foynes Board. Pat Keating, Chief Executive, thank you. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nett.